Welcome to Let's Girl Pulling, everybody. You're stuck tonight with the zombie crew because Jason's on vacation and uh, several of us are returning from the East Coast. I've personally been up for 18 straight hours and I barely know what my name is anymore. But anymore, uh, we've got uh, Cody Vanderholm up there in the top right. We've got uh, Doug Borth along with Brent Payne in the House of Horsepower that he's got down there in Southwest Ohio and uh, Kenzie with the remote cam looking at all the awesome that's in that, uh, in that building. So how's everybody doing tonight? Good. So far, so good. So far, so good. We haven't asked you any tough questions yet, so you'll be all right. We're still Doug, you're already there with Brent. I'm going to let you kind of lead this segment because uh, like I said, I don't even know what my name is right now. I'm just going to be button pusher. All right, cool. Well, like you said, we're with Brett Payne. We are in the uh, shop tonight, and he's going to kind of take us around and show us a few things. We talked a couple weeks ago a little bit about what happens here at GMS, so now we'll show you some of what happens at GMS. So uh, where should we go first? Well, we're here in the uh, in the Galat shop, I guess you'd say. This is where we keep the... Uh... The team tractors that we work on here at nighttime uh, try to keep them separate of all the rest of the work. Um, we kind of put this space together because we've got a lot of spare parts and then we've got a lot of work. We scatter these things out from time to time and don't really want to affect the, the normal work in the shop. So um, we've already I've already got questions. Go for <laughs> it. I, 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 I see blankets on the tractor. You're hiding stuff. No, not that one. The other one. <laughs> Turn the other one. You can see everything you want to see. What do you want to see? You can see everything on that one. Go to the other one where the where something's covering the cylinder head. Oh, you can't see that one. That's secret. <laughs> gotcha already. No, it's uh this is the the Galat number one tractor that I drive. It's uh it's just in for winter service. We've got some turbo damage we gotta correct and uh it uh you know it's pretty solid. It was running really good at the end of the year. It won the Enderly and one did a couple of test pulls and tried a few things at Georgetown, Ohio and and wreck the turbo so um it's uh hopefully you know it, it can go winter pulling somewhere we'll see but if not we'll be ready to go in the spring so we can look at the other one here and i'll show you what's secret there <clears throat> this is some real high tech 1998 technology right here uh, <coughs> in the cylinder head so it's it's nothing new <laughs> it just covered up because it's getting valves checked out it's actually got to come apart and uh, and uh, we're going to put the overhead cam loader back together and put it in it. But we run this engine a couple times a year to go to the North Carolina State Fair and a few other places. And it's sort of our uh, test bed for the new light super stock project we're working on. So we've been uh, beating it up a little bit and we finally found the bottom of it. So it's got to come apart. Is that the so so which power plant did you guys take to uh, fuel tech and put on their hub dyno? That would be the one that's in the tractor, the other tractor there. Um, we had uh, we've kind of taken the mechanical fuel system, put it back on the tractor to run NTPA and PPL both. Um, and we've been experimenting with the plug on coil stuff, and that's working out really well for another option. But uh, all the uh, electronic stuff is up on the shelf until the powers that be get their head out of their ass and let us run it, we're gonna leave it there. So um, we've got about uh, 30 grand worth of parts sitting there wasting time. So um, 
hopefully one day we can keep trying that out and learn some more. I, I'd love to see that be a thing. I, honestly, I really would. I think, and, and you certainly know this better than anyone else, um, that you're fighting that controllability. And I think that's, that's a piece that can back, pardon the pun, backfire into the, the reliability as well to be able to control, control through electronics. Sure. I mean, the electronic system, we were this close to making it perfect. And uh, as far as that goes, the only problem we had was driving away from the sled. So um, the takeoff was much easier. You could, you know, it would spool the turbos easy and, and drive it around easy. You know, you had less uh, oiling problems and and it was just a cleaner all around operating system. But um, and, and once we got it sorted out, it was really easy. It didn't take us a lot of runs to get it sorted out with the help of the guys at FuelTech. So, um, but, you know, to go back to this system, then it's, you know, we know this well, it'll, it'll work too, but it's just kind of the thing. We like to try new ideas. What was it about uh, driving away from the sled that was difficult? Was it was it a heat soak thing or no, what was that it's, issue? Um, it's kind of like with the O2 sensors and there, we still run them to collect data, but <clears throat> they would just like it got overwhelmed when you shut the butterfly off and then all of a sudden you got this massive charge of air stopped up in there and the, and the, and the sensors wouldn't cooperate quick enough. So they just dumped a bunch of fuel in the engine and basically flooded it out. So, so were you, were you seeing a, a scenario where those, those O2 sensors were getting just, they were getting essentially uh, flushed with, with methanol and, and just ruining their, their capability to read properly. Yeah. That's right. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And that's kind of the heart of the system is to get a good O2 reading. And, and um, we were getting, like I said, it was the, the tune up was really close. It ran quite well a few times with that. But, um, you know, there it is. Kenzie, go back, go back to that shot. I, I'm going to ask Brent a question about this the, on the Chargers. <laughs> So on the high pressure, you've got slots, but the the Atmos are gun drilled. And when it comes to the uh, the map with uh, Groove, why the differentiation, and 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 what do you see from those? Oh, that's what they sold us. Okay. <laughs> so so, now, so we, we deal with it note, from Cody. Make a note. We've got to get Hart on the show. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna find out why. Right. Screenshot. Yeah, yeah. Screenshot. Take a video. Yeah, there, there's it's kind of the same thing. One was just easier to machine versus the other one. I think it does exactly the same thing, um, to be honest. Uh, and we can go bigger on compressor wheels, so that really doesn't affect a lot. Um, but it also it does give the turbo a little bit more range of operation RPM wise. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if they've tested anything different from one slot type over the other, but, um, you know, we, we just we got what we got. So. I don't know. I've, I, I mean, I, I certainly don't know. I'm not. I'm not an aerodynamicist, so I'm not going to proclaim any sort of knowledge there, uh, as far as that goes. I do kind of wonder about the the gun drill design um, when you get swirl involved in this very linear path. If if it's getting stall across the sweep, but I, that's. I, I know that this the system on this tractor is is much more difficult to get. The light than the other 
especially with a mechanical system. Now, the, the, the electronic, it would go. We could we could get it. We could change things around and make it spool really quickly. Um, now you got to really drive it much harder to to get it to go. You got to fight with it a little bit. But um, I, that's a lot in the exhaust size and the compressor size. So I don't, you know. Yeah, you just have to call them guys and ask them, I guess. And when you ask them, see if they got a spare turbo for me down there. That one's broke. <laughs> Kenzie, I'm going to ask you to go back to the, the hot side of that tractor again. Sorry. <laughs> I see stuff and I just, I got questions and go other side, go to the other side. So on the diesel side, we, a lot of times everybody talks about when it comes to exhaust manifold design, um, keeping it short for heat retention for drive pressure. What are you guys seeing on the alcohol world? It, does it matter? Is a tuned equal length header where it's, it's hitting that exhaust um, exhaust turbine with equal spacing of pressure pulse important, or is it still the same as the diesel guys where you just want to blast it with as much heat and, and as much force as you can and and the pulse width separation be damned you know we kind of we've tried all kinds of header designs this is the actually the original brent long designed header that came with the motors when he got earl got them years ago so we haven't changed that in you know 12 years or whatever so um what i've learned with the exhaust stuff is that you know kind of like on the international 466 is the, is the basic you know You've got the intake manifold that feeds from each from the middle and you got this long thing on the end it's actually the so you feed water in different places to try to even out the egts well it's actually the exhaust manifold side that's driving uh the, the heat problems on the intake so we find that it just to get the exhaust drafted away more evenly helps even the cylinders up rather than the pulses right because we're not really looking to spool the turbo quick it's not a drag race so we can take our time right. and get it there but just making the, the exhaust flow more evenly. Um, and we'll show you a header on the other tractor up here that's a little different, a lot different. Um, you know, it, and it really doesn't matter on this thing. It doesn't seem to matter what kind of header you put on. As long as it gets out of the thing and, and gets to the turbo and doesn't crack, we're pretty happy. That's, that's awesome. That's good knowledge. Appreciate that. Thank you. But, uh, I mean, there's, you know, we've got, thoughts about making big long equal length headers and this and that and, and at the end of the day it's just more tubing so we, we try to build what fits under the hood and what's easiest to work on packaging and then there's also the the risk of cracking because you're going to have a lot more welds in it and sure sure yeah heat cracking would be an issue yep have you experimented at all with uh venting the um the wastegate into the hot cross rather than just going straight to atmospheric we have yeah there's places in there where we've tried that at the evidence says it doesn't work so <laughs> we've tried a lot of things so this one's been chopped up and hacked on and that's it's an experimental thing so yeah we've tried lots of different wastegate and and uh you know it haven't really seen a lot of difference either way. You can slow the top turbos down; it just speeds the bottom one up. So, we've always heard from the the, the alcohol side that really, you know, it's it's less about max 
max uh, manifold pressure. It's more about volume of flow. And um, so, what uh, what do you guys look at, and, and what are you, what are you looking for in terms of your charger setup, where you, you there's not necessarily a, a boost number, which is you know we could we could go super nerd on um, what boost number means as far as the restriction of flow, but mm-hmm. flow numbers you're looking for to make the power you you're targeting versus just screaming turbos to to crazy uh, uh shaft speeds where you yeah i find you're making this awesome boost number but now for alcohol you're you're button up against detonation problems so yeah i mean the, the turbo systems we've tried we've tried multiple types and 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 combinations of different numbers and sizes and bigger top smaller top bigger bottom smaller bottom this and that and <clears throat> There is a trend that everybody wants to keep going bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think it is absolutely wrong because there is a range that that doesn't operate in. And you have to scream the motor hard to get those big turbos to spool and light and stay alive. And then you have no range on the other end of the track when it needs to pull down. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But, in, in, you know, my data collection shows me that it doesn't work. So the turbos on the, tra- the track in the front are kind of more of a, middle of the road kind of conservative setup but also um big enough but that turbo setup works on a 504 it works on a 640 and it's one in the light class it's one in the heavy class and it'll drive from 4500 rpm to 7500 rpm and that's kind of what we look for is have a broader range of operation rather than just a light switch or something that takes like lighting a turbine to get going so um you got to be versatile and have a good range in this in this class, I think, to make them work. So, so you're, you're looking at something where it's a it's a balance of you know, you want the compressor size to be able to get the boost, but you also <laughs> want to have the turbine match on the backside for for equal pressure ratio, but the, the drivability. You know, if if it's if it's super wide open. Yeah, it's going to flow a lot on the exhaust side, but it's going to be lazy and, and it's going to nose over on the big end. That's Versus right. if you go too tight, now you're you're overspeeding them and blowing them out. Mm-hmm. If, if that sounds right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it. It's just a balance we found, and 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 you know because we don't run intercoolers and we don't have you know 650 cubic inches, it's we've had to find a system that works for our tractors, and. Um, and, and, you know, it's taken some time, but it does give us the option, you know, that we do have the ability to run in all types of conditions because of the turbo setup. So, and, and that's pretty key on our programs to keep something that's not too big and not too small. So neither of these are 650s? Nope. I, I dare ask you, what are they? Well, this is a 600 or 598. 598, okay. 504. 504, gotcha. That's and that's and that's again that's the motor that we just run on the the, the regional pushrod class because of that. I'd, I'd heard that. I, I always wondered. I'd heard that, but now to get confirmation of it, so that's good. Thank you for being honest. That tractor there will run now with the combination we've got in that one. John swears it makes as much power as these do now, but we've yet to really put it to use in in the application that we can find out. There there might have been a time a few years ago, well more than a few years ago, a couple of decades ago, where that same argument got had, you know, uh, an overhead cam 504 was running with the 598s. And so it was there. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. All right, Doug. I'm, I'm going to turn it back. You you've been there like no. all day. I'm going to I'm going to put it back in your hands. We're like ask gonna... some interesting questions about what he's got in the shop. I'm I'm done being a nerd. <laughs> so his boys are in the garden tractor pulling. So this is, I think he said, Dad's tractor. Great grandpa. Great grandpa's tractor that he started. They started restoration on. Yeah, my grandfather or great grandfather bought that at a local dealership. You know, and there was a small dealership in the town close to here. You know, and he was the last lawnmower he bought, and one of my uncles uh, ended up with it. And you know, they thought my kids were into garden tractors; they can fix it up. Well, it's been a long project, but they're getting it close to getting it finished up. So they buy and sell garden tractor parts, and they've got shelves of that stuff around here. And then over here, they've got, you know, this is some of their pullers that they they have so um they're into pulling they they do all their own their own work uh, i get them to the pool and, and that's about it really they they they're working enough now to get uh to get the trackers put together and they buy and sell and, and work their way up and, and they figure out the setups and you know with coaching from grandpa and myself you know we kind of help them out with that but they're doing really good at that so um, they enjoy Jeez. it So yeah, we had a good dinner with the boys tonight, and then so this now we're into. Uh, There's the, uh, the garden tractor dyno. So my boys do run this, and they test their engines on here before they go. We kind of bought that from a go kart guy, and uh, so they're out there, and you know, in the summertime when it's they're getting ready to go pulling, and they're out there running the garden tractor motors all hours of the day. So, but uh, they do it all themselves. You know, they're 14 and 15, and they go out there and they get them things going on their own. So. Was that a home built deal, or did you just get the, did you get the cell from Dynamite and then um, figure out a, how that? The guy that raced go karts had it, and he had it stood up so he could put a go kart chassis up on there, and we kind of made some drives up to just put the colors on. So, gotcha. Yeah, I didn't even see that today. No. that's kind of cool. So, will you get just out of curiosity, Brent? Will you get the same type of data on the on the uh, small? Dino, as you will, on the big one? Pretty close, yeah. It yeah. doesn't have near as many sensors. It's kind of a, a simple thing. Sure. But it gives horsepower and torque reading. That's our other uh, dyno there. And the court, we got a sandblaster here. We use the sandblast blocks and rear ends and stuff like that. But we've got the, the, the wheel dyno is broken. we got to fix it. Um, hopefully, this fall, we can get working on it some more. But uh, so people were asking who all has a hub dyno. You now know GMS has one. Yep. And I could, if I could sink it in the bottom of Atlantic, I would, but um, there it is. So we're going to fix it and get it back going again and try to work on uh, a few things to test. So. And then next we have the, uh, the light pro. Yeah, this is a Glot light pro. It's come back in for some service. We, uh, we ran out of parts for this thing. Uh, of course, everybody ran out of parts in the last few years. But so before Louisville, we had to sand the pistons and the belt sander to get it to go to Louisville. And I thought, man, this thing's not going to make it a whole season. But I'll be darned if they didn't take it down to North Carolina and win the state points with it this year. So uh, John's son, Holt, has done a really remarkable job learning how to drive. And uh, and they've and they've John's and them have gone out this summer and they've done really well with it. And the guys down there, Ben and Justin, they've kept it going. And uh, um, yeah, it didn't, didn't break anything all summer other than a couple of lines that could come loose or something. So, and, uh, you can see on this thing, that's a header design that we, 
had come up with for the, the diesel tractors years ago that uh, nobody took over with. And it's the same motor that was built in this tractor in 2015. And uh, we've upgraded the turbo on it. It's got the same exact injection pump that we bought from Hartz in 2015. It's got the same pistons and rod, you know, the same size of everything, right? So only thing we've changed is the turbo. And uh, it gets still competitive now. So, um, you know, it, it was built to run the best we could at that time. And it kind of got outdated. So we, you know, this last year, we give him a, a two-year-old turbo to go out and run with and learn how to drive. And, and he did his part. So maybe he can get some more, uh, more power this winter. <coughs> Well, the multi-charger tractor, you know, we 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 talked about the exhaust manifold that it didn't matter. You know, you've got multi-charger; it just it's just boost it, and who cares? This one's a little bit more tuned. It it's looking like a design that's intended to hit that turbine with uh, equal pulse spacing. Is that important on the big end of the track where the load's hitting you, and you know you don't want to fall under the charger? Because you're you're cubic inch limited, and so you've got to you have to have to have every advantage you can come up with. If you can hit that that charger with equal pulse spacing, your mm -hmm. stall potential maybe drops. Am I wrong in thinking about that? No, no, that's pretty accurate. I mean, <clears throat> you know, that's kind of one of the things we we. Well, it's kind of one of the reasons I stopped dyno testing so much because stuff like this, right? We would test these things, and and they would be. You know, maybe a few horsepower short on the peak number, but they had a broader range. The biggest thing we built it for was, you know, you can work on this tractor. You don't have to take the manifold off every time you want to adjust the valves. You don't have to remove the turbo to do this. So this thing gets it right out front, and it's easy to work on. You take the whole cylinder head off and everything, manifolds, turbo, and all that attached to it. You can get it out of the way, but it looks funny. So nobody bought it, right? I mean, we designed that, in, you know, seven or eight years ago, ten years ago, whatever, and couldn't sell another one. And, uh, but that tractor runs with the exhaust manifold and the intake manifold design on the other side. It runs the most even cylinder temperatures. It's got all the water nozzles are exactly the same. Yeah. So we've studied that to do that, but because it doesn't say hypermax on it or it doesn't, uh, it's not run at a certain dyno and so-and-so says they have it, they don't use it. We just don't, you know, so we just left it on there. We use it for ourselves and go on. But I mean, that design there is probably the best you can have for a diesel. It's got the same paint on it since 2015. It's never been cracked. It's never been damaged. And that's what it looks like today. And that was so, going to be my follow-up question. Did it, did it ever crack? And, and you say, no, it doesn't. So it's like, and on top of that, like, you can you can hear one of those exhaust manifolds work. It sure. just sounds mm -hmm. right. Um, you know, I, I kind of got that, you know, years ago, Carlton Cope had a similar type design and he and I talked about that a lot then and, and, you know, and built one of those type of manifolds for the Campbell brothers when they, we kind of was working with them and it worked really well. It always sounded cool. Um, we took one of those uh, log type deals that everybody sort of runs where they all collect to the center off of yeah. uh, Tim Stone's tractor years ago because he broke, he was putting a manifold on it every, every year he put a manifold on that tractor and he, we built a something similar to this that sort of equal length has not been off for since, and it's been our six or seven years. So there's, I mean, the durability to me is more important than making another 20 horsepower to peak to peak number. And, and this absolutely has better range from bottom to top than anything else. But, you know, we don't look at that. We look at the top number, right? So, um, but anyway, that's, that's well, my. 
Peak's only good for for betting pieces of paper. Right. It doesn't win on the trucks that you throw up on the screen there, right? So. So how how do guys find you? Um, and and not only that, how how do they find you as a business? But what are you guys known for? What's what's your production? Well, we're gonna go see that now. So um, we got one more surprise in here before we go. Okay. Then we, we like surprises. One thing that I have learned here this today, everything that they try and do is built for maintenance ease. It's pretty cool on some of the things that are up and coming. But that's not I'm really not gonna bad. I promise I'm not gonna play back and look at those tires real close. Which <laughs> ones? All of them. <laughs> so this is our fab shop. It's kind of, um, it sits idle a lot. Um, we used to have full-time fabricators and we no longer have full-time fabricators. So the guys that come back here, we use it for our own maintenance repair and, and to work on some of our own projects. Um, I would love to have a full-time fabricator again that would come down here and could, you know, make use of the space, but we just don't have any right now. So um, we've kind of turned Tony this Fisher, Brent wants you to come back and work for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> he likes to do some too. So, yeah, uh, Cody's a great fabricator now. He's turned into an excellent talent. So, um, but he got his start right here working on pro stock. Yes, he did. So, yes, he did. Um, so, yeah, this is kind of our shop. We just play back here now. Not play, but we, you know, we try to experiment and try new things and. And we can build about any kind of thing we want. You know, we got this is our the start of our new uh, light superstock project we're working on. It's been on the table for a while, but we're going to finish it now. Um, we've got everything that we need to make the chassis work, but the helper. So, and uh, the machining side seems to be more where our demands are at, so we stick more up there. But uh, we are going to try to get this thing finished here this winter and get it on the track by spring. Keep moving. Let's go through the other diamond room. So he has a couple projects here. He said they got to finish up and then. Yeah, this is our dyno room that we use to tear apart rear ends in because we don't use the dyno much. Um, the dyno is sold. Uh, it's going to Kentucky. Uh, Patrick O'Brien of Bryant Diesel is going to end up with that dyno. Uh, we'll end up taking our equipment down there to dyno test. Uh, everything works out right so he's been coming up here and using it when he can or whatever and uh, you know i don't have time to run the dyno anymore the machine shop takes <coughs> a lot of time so um and it's kind of just changed from a model we're more into more into the the, the chassis and drive line and setup of the vehicle rather than the, the horsepower sales right now so on the machine shop side you know obviously you guys have, have been big in rods like what's What's the specialty for you guys on machines? We're gonna right? walk over there now. Yeah, this you can show him this. This is a this is a limited light rear end to come back in for some repairs or whatever. But you know we do we do the billet differentials and stuff like that for those as well. Planetaries, transmissions, and things like that. So uh, the limited light classes uh, gets a lot of attention this year because we've got several rear ends to do. Lighter weight components, a little stronger. Um, so. <clears throat> Engine parts, yes, driveline components we're doing more and more of. So we can go up front now and take a look at that. So.
They even have a uh, test track out here. Doesn't get used a lot, but there is one here. <coughs> we'll see if we switch. We got a. We had an internet issue a little earlier, but I think we got that taken care of. So. I think we're all a little bit under the weather. Allergies have been terrible. So. It's that time of year. <laughs> and maybe. And, and internet goes, yeah, not compatible with CNC. <laughs> Hashtag left the chat. Yeah. There we are. Come back. All right, we're back. There we are. Awesome. So um, in the last five or six years, we ended up purchasing uh, Humpco Manufacturing from Bill Humphrey. Uh, is a company that I, you know, follow as a kid from the two-wheel drive classes and other vehicles he built and end up having him build a chassis for us uh, that I then sold to Scott Holker. So um, when the time came to buy his company, we ended up buying the company and, you know, kind of brought everything that he built in-house and uh, added to a nice product line. So we build other than the ring and pinion of course some of the hardware we build everything else in this unit so this is a this is a uh, what <clears throat> like a 433 meritor 20-145 ring and pinion and a billet pinion housing and one of our uh high speed differential or low speed differentials i'm sorry um so the meritor is kind of a common newer truck type we we're in much more accessible than the Rockwell SQHD that's been popular and pulling for a long time. Uh, we've made this pinion housing to accept that ring and pinion so we can put it in the older type, type housing. So this is kind of a popular thing for uh, some of the unlimited modifieds and modified tractors and things like that. Several super stock tractors run them as well. So, um, <clears throat> but uh, that's kind of what our, a lot of our focus has gone to lately is the differential side. So we can go over here and, and show you kind of how that all starts. <clears throat> you know, we start out with raw material bar stock and they go through the process of uh, lathe turning blanks and then over here to cut gear. So um, Doug and Kenzie shot some videos earlier. They're gonna put up on the screen later sometime, but we make uh, everything from spider gears to, you know, this is a blank form, bar stock to blank to spider gear all made in the machine here. This goes in every single differential. There's four of them in every one. So uh, it's pretty cool to watch those get cut today. Mm -hmm. So are you guys an alternative for like a, you know, needled cross for, for John Deere, IH, AC, etc.? Uh, we, we make, of course, the component stuff, but we also do for John Deere and International. Uh, we don't do anything for the ACs or the, the cases or the mullings or just not enough demand. Um, it's a lot of development to, to get all that put in one package, but, um, Gosh. not that we wouldn't just, it's just hard to do ones and twos, you know, so you almost, mentioned back on, on that housing to, for the unlimited, you know, that it was the most aspect of it. I'd always thought, and, and maybe it's just a misunderstanding that really you wanted to keep the speed going all the way out toward the, the planetary hubs. Am, am I misunderstanding what you're saying there? Or? No, what the high speed, low speed means is that there's a break in the 
differential in the ring and pinion sets that determine that. So there's a different carrier. <clears throat> so in the SQHD, everything from uh, 488 and slower was a low speed and 463 and faster was a high speed. And then I the Meritor, everything from a 411 and faster is a high speed and 433 and slower is a low speed. So it's just a break in their carriers when they had to have a different offset in the flange. I gotcha. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's a manufacturing spec to, to differentiate what, what you're working with. Yep. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. So this is a hob that we cut splines on shafts and getting ready to do some input shafts. Um, it did the back end this morning and then do the front end tomorrow. So they got some footage of that as well. Um, we've got, uh, You know, different types of gear shaping equipment to do different types of setups. You know, we got some that'll do internals and external splines, just how we kind of set them up. We run different two or three at a time where we go from one to the other. Um, <clears throat> today, he was cutting some crank gears for big block John Deere. So those are were raw materials and, uh, you know, they go through quite a few processes from bar stock to to prepping for normalization, then they come back and they get blanked out in the lathe, and they get teeth cut, and they get a heat treat, and they get a black oxide. There's just there's several steps to making one gear. <coughs> but uh, so yeah, I got everything's kind of set up to do <clears throat> different stages. So, were you guys at one point um, engaged in doing not not full clutch setups, but flywheels anyway? We never did any flywheels. Um, okay. Yeah, never did that. Just just stayed out of the clutch market. I mean, not to say we wouldn't get in there one day, but just right now, this is kind of consuming all our time. So, so the gear the gear works big. What's what's uh, what's GMS's bread and butter? Um, gear work is obviously important, but uh, what is. Else uh, into? that's kind of the big thing now. I mean, here's this is a stack of axles for uh, international tractors, so 706, 1066. Um, you know, with Limited pros and light pros making, you know, 3,000 horsepower, they break those, and you don't want wheels going down the track. So we make, uh, these are these are ready to get gun drilled for to be hollow for lightweight, and then they'll go to heat treat and be done. And, um, <clears throat> we've got the hubs over here that we've made that they'll spline on the other end, and uh, they go through quite a few processes, too, to get finished. But, um, you know, we try to, we're trying to, do, the driveline side is pretty, is about, I'm going to say about 50% of what we do now. Um, gotcha. The engine parts was... Most of it before and now it's probably fifty percent. Yeah. This is uh, <clears throat> one pro stock engine we work on. It's it's the last one. You're muted, Doug. Oh, you yeah. Oh, there. There we go. There you go. This was uh, I don't hear this. Is, this is the one of the Rolling Stone Tim Stone's engines here. It came back in for some service and a few repairs. So. Um, we do have some customers that have been with us for a long time that we continue that we're going to continue to service and uh, kind of trying to get, you know, we want to maintain some, uh, some involvement in different classes, but not take up all the service work. So um, trying to focus on supplying parts to other builders is more, more we're going to do now. Um, so bread and butter at the beginning was building engines and selling parts and all that, but now it's kind of building components for other builders. So um <clears throat> we've got so we've got some engines we do we got an assembly room in here that we <coughs> used to have you know five or six different projects going on at one time and now it's more or less uh 
you know, where, where we right now I've got a couple of the lot projects we're getting ready to go back through and check out. Got one on the stand that's a spare. Um, over here, we got some connecting rods that are coming here to get the bolts put in them and, and ready to go. And then this is where we work on the finished differentials at. Um, we can <clears throat> final assemble or take apart if it's not too bad and recondition. So um, try to keep all the clean stuff in this room. How much of what uh, between the two Galat tractors? How much is 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 John's the the proven setup and yours is the let's find out? Um, the head the pan's the same. Uh, so it, it's kind of turbos and tires and you know fuel systems, ignition, that kind of thing. That's the differences. So, but uh, I'm. Uh, I, I have a hard time doing the same thing over and over again. So I, I, I'm curious and, and so constantly want to try things new, you know, so um, <clears throat> we fail a lot, uh, but then we succeed some too. So as long as we keep finding a little bit here and there, we keep trying new things. So Awesome. We do, uh, this is one of our reverser drives here for like um, the unlimited modifieds for, for most of these. They, we run these on trackers, say like um, Chuck Knapp or Bill Leishner or somebody. Um, we use the pump to pressurize the pinion bearings because the pinion bearings fail a lot in modified trackers. So um, this way that this thing draws the oil out of the rear end and it pressurizes and shoots oil right into the back pinion bearing. So it's all a self-contained unit bolts right up to the pinion cartridge uh, we've also retrofitted these in the some international rear ends um, that's badass so it's <clears throat> this thing we make we buy the oil pump but we make every other piece in it so so in terms of power transfer it's it's a straight through shaft but it's a straight it's... through shaft and it's got a counter shaft instead of a, a planetary gear set like some of the other reversers out there are and so what that does is it allows us to have a slower reverse so you can back up a little easier and yep. it drives the pump constantly but drives that pump straight so it allows us to have a pump that doesn't have to have a switch or you know it, it's constantly making pressure even if you're in reverse or forward so um, but yeah then there's just one big coupler that slides in here and you're direct straight through there's no power loss through anything else that's that's brilliant so that's uh that was one of bill's excellent ideas and it's it's really panned out i mean he had some some struggles at first with the shifting mechanism, but, uh, you know, after a while he, he came up with this deal here to, uh, use this as the brake. So you would rotate this over and it locks pins onto the, to the coupler. And then when you put it back, it locks it in forward. So it keeps it from coming out of gear. Anybody who thinks that the, the tractor pulling is just a bunch of dumb hillbillies or farmers, you have no idea how much intelligence is baked into exactly what we're trying to do i mean this is this is a sophisticated motorsport and a part like that a piece like that just you know it, it's 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 exuding sophistication it's it's wonderful yeah that's it's a piece that's uh you know it's that it's it lasts in the in the highest horsepower stuff in the, in the world right so um and it's necessary it fixes a few problems it, it saves weight because it mounts right to the pinion there's no bracketry to mount to anything else yeah uh, the shifting mechanism bolts off of here so that's on there it's pretty simple um 
it's repairable. It's, it's, you know, it, <clears throat> it's durable. Uh, you know, they have problems. I mean, they're going to have problems like everything does. If you grind it in gear, it's, you know, it's a little more durable than some of the other types are, but, um, everything's got their advantages and disadvantages. This is what we see as, you know, as, as what we would build. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a nice piece to build. So. Brent, how many years have you been in business and, and working on stuff like this? Uh, I went to work for Gene Sharber in 2003. So I guess it's been a while. So just a couple of years. <clears throat> yeah. You know, before well, that, I helped him in the basement of his house in you know, the, the late nineties, I guess at some there. And then when my dad and him worked together on our tractor, I was down there quite a bit. So, so between, you know, my dad pushing me into this sport, which was great. I mean, ever since I was pedal pulling, um, <clears throat> and then, you know, guys like Gene Sharber that took me in and, and kind of taught me how to run machinery a little bit, manual, manual equipment and figure engine math and all that. And then Bill Humphrey to, to, to give me the things like this and, and teach me the ways of gear cutting and, and heat treating and all that. There's just, I've had a lot of good help. So. <clears throat> Another thing we do, we do, uh, I don't want to show those names, but we can come from this side. Um, we do a lot of Mercedes planetaries and that's kind of something with the light super stocks. Um, we sell to other, other builders of light super stocks, of course, too, but we kind of rebuild and recondition some of the older, Mercedes systems. We've had some trouble, some growing pains, but we're, we're wrapping our hands around it now. Um, but the light trackers are making enough horsepower now and enough wheel speed. They're starting to, to have trouble with these things. So we're, we're constantly trying to make the heat treat processes and material better, uh, bearing systems, the oiling, all that. Um, so that's the one on the left is kind of the stock retrofit or the stock version that everybody else has kind of used. And this is our new version going into the light tractor back there where we make we've got our own magnesium housing we've kind of built a little bit beefier planetary carrier uh, for this now i've got a few of these that are out there running and some tractors like oh uh, brian bowles's tractors had these into his tractor for a few years and sean Williams and um <clears throat> so that's kind of the version we've made where it changed the offset a little bit this has got the factory offset where the planetary sort of sticks out and it's a little thinner and this we've made so it's a little beefier and you know kind of it's got a little more meat to deal with. So, my understanding is with the 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 what the Europeans call a two point five ton un, modified. You know, their 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 lightest class. A lot of their success has to do with that exactly the the Mercedes Planetary because of its lightness. Mm -hmm. Yep. If if we were to adopt something over here, where we set a weight break at 5,500 pounds, just or 5,700, whatever, you know, arbitrarily set a number. Is something like that the key to unlocking that being a success with, with open driveline in front of it? We're going to find out. I like that answer. I like that <laughs> answer. That's all I can tell you. We're going to find out. So, um, yeah, that's been a desire of mine to put our planetary system in a twin engine modified tractor. So, yeah, I don't know if it'll be. It ain't gonna be this summer, but soon thereafter, hopefully. I like that answer. So. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Brent, we've we've certainly uh, picked your brain quite a bit. Um, if there's something else you want to show us, by all means, do yeah. so. But I also want to honor our time commitment to you. Sure, sure. Now, real quick here, as well. you got, um, 
you got we still do a fair amount of block work we've got some different projects working on some alcohol super stocks some limited pros uh some rear end components we've got i even got some mitsubishi four-cylinder racing engines that we do for the one of our tenants here in another building um <clears throat> we kind of helped them develop their their program with some tractor pulling technology into the into the yeah. import world so you, 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 we're, we're not that, that that falls outside the scope of this program but cody and i Yep. Also got our ears perked up at that. So oh, we gotta go. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we gearheads to the end. That's it, right. It doesn't matter whether it's tractor pulling or if it's uh Evo stuff. Yep. I'm so, down. Yeah, what, actually, so what shocked me was that you said bringing from the tractor pulling world <laughs> so like I don't know, that just kind of like blew my mind. You said you're like normally it's we're trying to think about the other way, like what can we do from their industry and our industry to make something a little bit better so you're talking like reverse almost yeah absolutely uh, can you can you walk through that a little bit well the guys next the, the guys that we we sort of rent a building to we've got another building on the property here that that's uh that's a pretty good sized building but they they started in a, a little shop and they kind of moved their way up pretty quick and uh they're the fourth fastest evo in the country right now um and <clears throat> they couldn't keep a head gasket in so we Helped them develop a sealing system very similar to what we use in the alcohol trackers. We machine the blocks and put dart and sleeves in them. We machine the head and put a, a wire receiving group system in there. And now their engine is durable and makes laps. So um, they, in turn, help us with the electronic fuel system when we're doing that. So they did the wiring on the tractor and, and helped with the tuning and all those things. So it's kind of a back and forth relationship. We learn from them and they learn from us. So. This so is what I heard was my GTI is now for sale for twenty five thousand cash, and I'm in search of an Evo nine right now. You need Evo ten. That's that's the better one to have, right? Well, now. it is, but I well, you know I had, I had to I had to aim a little, a little bit low, you know, <clears throat> offer a fair trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're kind of neat. They're not my cup of tea. I don't fit in one, so it's. But, uh, you know, this is, uh, I'll show you, this is the, some of the lathe work we're working on here. They, they're machining bolt patterns in, in these uh, hubs for those axles over there. So we got those are about ready to go to, to get splined. And <clears throat> we've got some connecting rods we're starting to work on, too, but waiting on some tooling because we uh, wrecked one of the big cutters we use. So they're trying some new things. And we've got a tooling guy coming in again this week to bring us some more things to try out. So constantly try to get a little faster, a little better, a little smoother. So, But I'm going to show them. What else we got to show them, Doug? We can show them a few other things here. What else we got? Exigent Solutions. <laughs> is that the uh, your partnership? Mm -hmm. This is kind of some of the raw materials and staging waiting to get worked on. We got some differential parts. We got oil pan kits that are coming to get ready. We welded material for differential cases and things like that. Uh, timing gear blanks and. This is our dart and sleeve shelf that's usually full, but we can't get raw material. So this is all sleeves that are pretty well spoken for by customers. So um, <clears throat> raw materials. Yep. More timing gears here. Some sleeves they've been cutting. Um, so yeah, there's a little bit of everything. Awesome, Brent. I appreciate so much of the, the tour of the shop. And, and like I said, I, I want to honor our commitment to, to you and to our, sure. our next guest. Mm -hmm. So um, we're, we're going to stop things there, but uh, 
to be continued because I'd love to hear some more. About yeah, for stuff that you want to see specific or things that people like to see, I'm happy to show you. So we made some cool videos today. We're going to be here at least tomorrow as well, making stuff for their page. So it's going to be some cool stuff coming. Awesome. Great. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And, Thank uh, you. We're going to move on to, to Russ Arms. Thank you, guys. See you later. Russ, thanks so much for hanging out in the green room. Yeah, you bet. All that. Are you uh, finally, Are you rested up yet? Are you still catching up like the rest of us? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I may have taken a couple naps today. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> You're lucky. Let me tell you. Uh, get to the hall. Yeah, that's uh, – for us, that was probably about one of the worst things, uh, worst things there was. But other than that, man, I tell you what, it was great. Yeah. I was talking to your dad, and he's like, yeah, we took the pickup. It's a little bit cheaper. And uh, and then he uh, then he showed me the fuel can. So, Charles, they uh, they put the bed, the bed cover, tied it up against the cab, put four tires behind that, and had a brand-new can of VP racing fuel right in the back and uh it got smashed to beat living and didn't leak but it got smashed and uh we had a nice Happens. chat about that yeah it, i i don't know how it didn't leak i'm pretty surprised i <laughs> as much as that stuff is i guess i'm glad it didn't leak yeah well, and then you get down there, and it's not like you can just go to the store and grab that quick type of thing. It's it's kind of specialized a little bit too. Yep. So, so walk us through your start into polling and kind of a little bit about the history and where you are today. Um, yeah, there, there's the old can. Uh, now I I started helping. Uh, or when Dylan Lemka started probably I don't know, six years ago or so, um, I was always interested in pulling and he, uh, uh, kind of started in the diesel truck and, uh, two, six slotted and kind of morphed into the, you know, the three O side of it. And as he was upgrading, uh, parts and stuff all the time, well, we kind of just accumulated some parts, but, you know, always thought about putting a truck together and, Oh, one day, Oh, Thanksgiving weekend, about four or five years ago, he dropped off a frame and said, get busy. <laughs> so it was all, uh, it was all downhill from there. Um, yeah. but yeah, it was been a good time. It's been really good. I've met, I mean, dad and I, we've, for us in Nebraska, we have went all over the United States with this truck and, and met a lot of cool, lot of cool people, and um, and it it just it's just amazing to to see all the cool people and all the cool scenery and all the driving and stuff we've done, and uh, definitely something I'll never forget. So Georgia, coming off of Diesel Dark Corners, is that the farthest southeast you've been? Yeah, I think uh, we usually do a Shipshawana trip, and we've done shides a couple years uh but yeah this is definitely as far south and east as i've been i think it was a little over 17 17 and a half hours for us to get there so 
How far west have you guys traveled? Um, probably not terribly far west. Uh, we were going to go to the Colorado Pole, um, but didn't line up very well with uh, with my work, so we um, didn't get to go to that one. But um, <laughs> we spend most of our time every <laughs> every weekend in pulling season right over in Missouri. Yeah, we don't uh, don't pull much in Nebraska. It's always over in Missouri. Yeah, and there's not a straight road to get where you're going, so it takes twice as long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, pretty much once we get into Missouri, yeah, there's there's no more straight roads. I give I give a lot of the guys down there hell saying that's goat paths, you know, because I mean some of those roads that's what it feels like we're on. So yeah, I remember when we first started going over there when we were driving the semi dad he was two-handed white knuckle driving that and now after five years well he just pulls the seat back and one-handed driving and 60 mile an hour down the road and not a care in the world anymore i do have to say when when, when they tell you a 45 mile an hour curve you probably should be going 35 mile an hour curve because like in iowa 45 means you can still go 55 not in missouri yeah if, if it's bad enough they put a sign on it they mean it yeah yeah what's uh so what's it like with your dad going every weekend and stuff pulling with you oh uh, it's it's cool we uh we spend a lot of <laughs> we spend a lot of time working on the truck and um honestly with my work schedule there's a lot of times there's a lot of stuff that gets done that's by him and not even by me and if we uh if it wasn't been for him there's a lot of polls that i wouldn't even get to go to just because of uh um you know getting working on stuff changing ring and pinions and just maintenance stuff he uh he he truly is the uh the, the guy behind the uh, scenes that gets a lot of that stuff done for me there's a lot of polls that we go to where i gotta be to work at 5 30 in the morning and we may not leave a pole till one or two o'clock in the morning and i'll be sleeping in the back of the toter and uh, he'll be, he'll drive that semi home all night just for me to hop back in a car and go to work the next morning. That's pretty neat to have something like that to where, you know, it's, it's a well oiled machine at that point where it's not just a, you know, one guy does it all. The other one's just long. Like the, the relationship that you two have together is pretty neat to watch. Yeah. He gets, he gets a good kick out. Uh, it's a fun little thing for us to do. We enjoy it and we like going out and driving and, and just kind of seeing the countryside and, and pulling just a nice little bonus. Yep. So how was, uh, how was your experience at, down in Georgia? what do you think of the, the event down there? Oh man, I tell you what, it was great. Um, I mean, uh, JW Oliver and his family, we parked right up next to him and, I mean, they fed us like kings and treated us just like just like one of their own, and it was just truly, truly family for the you know just going over there, and it was an awesome show. Um, it's, it's it's a lot different uh, dirt than we're used to pulling on, um, but it's just so consistent. You know, I mean, we had thirty two trucks in our class, and I really think from the first hook to the last hook that that track wasn't any worse or any better than anybody else. It was, I mean, even Shides can't even run that many trucks on a, on a track and, you know, split them up and 
and it still changed. So definitely, uh, it, it's definitely a, a cool track. Um, awesome place to be. Um, you know, even the facilities are great, good parking. And like I said, the only thing it is, is terrible. is just the drive. Yeah. Yeah. I, we flew, so it, we cheated just a little bit, but, uh, yeah, it uh, it's a neat event, and like I think the key point there is you know front to front to back you can't really you can't really stay consistent in a lot of tracks. Where down there it's complete different, you know, and it would have been <clears throat> I think Saturday night's track would have been even better yet, but uh, unfortunately we got uh, dealt a nice uh, nice bunch of rain type of thing that made things a little bit challenging, and we ended up having to call the pull a little bit early. But I think the overall, I mean. It's, it's such a unique track down there and what they've got going. It's a lot of fun. Um, the atmosphere, you get guys, you know, I think you're probably the furthest west of anybody that came this year. Um, but you guys, you get guys from, you know, out here to Pennsylvania, New York, to Florida, even in Texas. Um, and it just, it just feels like a local pull. And that's something unique that, you know, a lot of places it's, you know, you kind of got your groups you stay within and down there it's everybody's having one big event and one big hoorah type of thing. And it's, it's just a neat atmosphere. So I was glad to have you guys come down there because you guys are kind of like local boys for me. So, but yeah, no, we, we thoroughly enjoyed that trip. Um, like I said, I think my only regret is just not going down earlier and spending more time there and just kind of taking it all in. Yeah. Now you've made the you made some setup changes here within the last what year and changed a few things up and found uh found a few extra things of how much of a difference has that made this year for you? Um yeah, we went from um uh factory ECM and electronics over to a standalone and um while we pit, did pick up some power, um I'm kind of having to learn to drive the truck all over again. Uh it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a lot more of a challenge. So uh, I've been trying to get as much seat time in that thing as I can to try and get back where I was a couple years ago. And, but it uh, definitely makes a lot more power, but it a lot more of a, a lot more of a handful to keep it, uh, keep it going on the track. Did you go to uh, Bosch or Motec? Bosch. Gotcha. Bosch seems to be a little bit more. It's not that it's harder; it's a little bit more jargon in terms of deciphering what uh, what the menus are and what they mean versus the Motec. Yeah, that's what uh, that's kind of what I, we've seen a little bit. I haven't dug into the Motec, you know, terribly much at all. Actually, I can't even say I've dug into the Bosch too much at all. That's pretty much been Patrick O'Brien. Um, he's set all that stuff up with that and Exergy, um, got us pretty well set up with that. And it's, uh, the Lemka started out on that combination and I got all his old parts. So it's, a it's a proven combo and it works. It's just, uh, I got to kind of learn to drive things all over again. I was, I was going to ask you, yeah, if you, if you, you know, going, going toward the Bosch side, if you were Exergy and, you know, you, you revealed that and, uh, Pat O'Brien, he's he's a pretty smart guy when it comes to building engines for these things. He knows what he's doing. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, he's uh, 
with the common rail side of things, I mean, he still does a lot of P pump stuff. Um, but in the common rail side of things, I mean, he is, uh, he's amazing at that stuff. Just the, the ideas that floating around in his head, the different things to try and things that he wants to try and, you know, whether it be motor related, you know, chassis related or anything. And he's, he's never stopping, always, always trying to do more things. And, you know, it's always, I think for the most part, it's just a, you know, everybody's money is a limitation. And I think it, it'd be crazy to see what he could do with unlimited funds. I mean, it, the guy truly is never stopping on the uh, product yeah. development, always got new things. And he's got so many outlets with, oh, you know, Kenny's machine and, and all the CNC stuff that they can do and all the cool things that hearts, you know, puts out for turbos and, and even not even just turbo, just other parts. And, it's just crazy to even see what our little two six truck is, you know, gone through and what they can all do. Pat's one of those classic guys where he's got a lot going on inside, you know, in his head between his ears. If you were to meet him at an event, you know, he's so quiet. Quiet you know, and, 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 and you know, you, you yeah, walk he, right past him, but uh, yeah, he's he's brilliant. He really is brilliant. Yeah, he uh he definitely a reserved person and stays pretty close to himself. But yeah, he uh you know, even I think on Friday night, I think the two six truck, the three oh truck, uh I think the super stock truck, I mean he had he had more wins in every class than anybody else. So yeah, I think and he's pretty humble about it and uh Oh he is cool. He totally is. Yeah, I've seen that. Good guy. It's really fun. I saw him under the hood of another uh, truck that I know that he probably didn't touch, but he was over there visiting with them. And and both of them are engine builders type of thing, going back and forth type of thing. And just, it's not in a Snoopy, it's just an appreciation back and forth and, you know, talking ideas. And that was, that's a lot of fun to see. And that's, you don't always see that. And so, yeah, I can, I can second that one a lot too. So. Yeah, I've seen him and uh, Chase Fleece sit on a concrete block at Shides talking more than once. So for them, yeah. for them two guys to be on that level to be uh, uh, talking and stuff, you know, that's you know that's pretty cool. But yeah, it, yeah, Patrick, he's uh, he's done us done us well. You know, like I said, I know Lemka got us pointed in the right direction and got us meeting with the right people, and to be able to even have a truck of you know this, you know good decent enough caliber to be even thinking about even driving that far to you know participate so yeah what's uh what's one of your favorite tracks that you've pulled on here in the last couple of years oh uh, favorite tracks we got a, a couple in missouri um there's like a oh graham and a grant city um, probably my favorite one is the one that Brent Roberts puts on the 102 Valley State Line show down in Bedford, Iowa. Probably has to be my best track. Um, best, you know, Brent puts on a heck of a pull there, two tracks, and and it's just it's good dirt. It takes all the power in the world, and it it's it's a it's a fun one to be on. It the tractors run real good. The the trucks with the DOT tires love it. 
and uh, that's an awesome event down there. That's probably one of the probably one of the better ones that uh, that we've been on. Yeah, that's I like it also not only because it's kind of a power track, but it's also like forty five minutes from my house, so that makes it really nice when you don't want to have to drive two hours to get a good track. So. But uh, yeah, they they do a hell of a job down there, and, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun to watch that track. So yeah, it it definitely is. I I I think they're going to try and make it a little bit bigger again this year. It's what I've kind of heard, and um, and that facility is great. I mean, it's got all sorts of good parking, pretty easy to get to, and tracks nice and wide. And like I said, running two sleds, and it's a it's a great event. He really took that place that wasn't being utilized and really making something of it. Yeah. So has, has dad ever drone drove? I mean, he didn't, he didn't pull back in the day, did he, or has he? No, no, he never did. We got, I got close to getting him into the driver's seat a couple times when the points wasn't really, uh, um, gonna matter or anything like that. And, I got him really close to uh, getting in the truck, but I haven't uh, successfully done that yet. We can help prod that along. You know that, right? Yeah, I think uh, I think this time's coming. I think as soon as I kind of get this truck a little bit more figured out and and kind of what to be able to tell him what to do, I think uh, I think we'll just have to get him on a on a track somewhere and just get him some seat time. I think he'll enjoy that. Has he has he ever said much about wanting to, to drive at all, or are you just? Uh, he asked about it once and only once, but uh, it was kind of a points thing that night. But um, I think he just kind of the same way as we just like going around and meeting people, and you know we're all kind of almost family and stuff now. So I think he just enjoys getting out and kind of living part of his retirement a little bit and just kind of seeing the country and this is just a good tool to do it. Yeah. You got big plans for changing things up for next year at all or? Um, I think we're going to oh get the motor out and freshen it. And um, I think we got a couple, a uh, couple things up the sleeve, you know, obviously probably trying get back on the dyno and trying to squeeze a little bit more power out of this thing, but, um, not terribly a whole lot. I think we may narrow up the rear end a little bit if we get time to, um, get the tires just a little bit closer to the frame and try and cut them two separate paths. But other than that, not really a whole lot. Um, can't really do a whole lot because well, ship is coming up here and not too terrible long. So I don't want to get her too tore apart for that. You guys entered for that one? Uh, we haven't entered it yet, but um, I'd like to go there again. I think I've been there the last two years in a row and that's a, that's a pretty good event. For, from what I hear on the backside, don't dawdle. If you're, if you want to go get entered. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I seen the two, six numbers are starting to creep up a little bit. So uh, yeah, I should probably, uh, probably get my name stuck in the hat here before long yeah i may or may not have a pipeline into the backside of that so i'm yeah i'm just personal advice get it get under <laughs> i will i will do that when we get done just go ahead and do that it's okay yeah i think so it probably won't probably should happen 
How much? Uh, so the big thing that I, your dad and I were talking about a little bit about the tire change on the rear. Um, you guys changed up tires a little bit and had some different size tires that are supposed to be a little bit wider, but actually were what narrower than the front tires this year at Georgia. Um, yeah, we've been having. I didn't get uh, bead locks put on my rear tire, so on a 16-inch rim, I've been having trouble with the uh, uh, mud tires spent the rim spinning inside the tires. So I switched to a 17, which on the website say they measure wider on the tread than the 16s, but in reality they do not. So. I was a little unimpressed with that uh, when I got home and put a tape measure to it. And I'm like, this is, this is not good. <laughs> you, I'll imagine you don't want to say what brand of wheels those were. <laughs> no, it wasn't the wheels. It was the tire itself, actually. Really? Yeah. It uh, was not uh, represented very well on the measurements on the, uh, on the website I have now found out. So do we do we want to say no we, we probably don't want to say what tires those were we don't want to <laughs> give that away to the competitors yeah well it'd be the ones i took off for uh, uh gonna pull saturday so <laughs> well if you were there you can go back and search video or or, or footage and figure that out I, I suppose yeah i i was told not to put my mud tires on because those are just you know only missouri tires only but some habits die hard and I at least wanted to try them. And, uh, but we were gonna, we were gonna definitely, we switched tires for Saturday, like you said, but that didn't, uh, pan out very well, but, uh, kind of just was really curious to see, uh, see if it would take, uh, would take that tire, but, um, should have listened to everybody and, uh, and took them off and switched it. For the tracks that you were on and, and where you're at geographically, are you finding that there's there's a particular tire that works and I'm not going to deliberately ask you what those tires are but beyond that is there a, a a mismatch that deliberately works meaning something different on the front versus the rear yeah i would say our pretty much typical missouri tire combo is mud tires up front and either uh all terrain or a uh, all-terrain tire in the back seems to work really well. Um, haven't been to too many places where that combo just doesn't not work. That's and that and that's actually pretty consistent with what I find a lot of times. It, it seems like um, it's STS all around or mud grapplers in front and STS in the back. Yeah, that's uh, that's our pretty much combo most of the time. Um, then with our uh, newfound uh, power over the year, I I switched from the STSs on the back to just putting muds all the way around, and um, for the most part, um, I think it's helped. But it's it's kind of a little bit learning to drive it. Um, again, they do definitely bite a lot harder. Yeah. Um, so we've been uh, kind of switched to the mud tires all the way around for the remainder of the year. And it's probably where we'll pick up uh, next year. It's interesting because that's, that's actually a, a, a choice and trend um, against what I would say is the common direction to go with friction 
versus bite and and you've chosen bite but for if, if for where, where you're at geographically maybe it works in those tracks yeah i mean i've watched you no know, jason wayman and uh for the most part adam kincaid i mean them guys have you know run the nation with six mud tires on all the way around and have good success so you know, and I know they're definitely not hurting in the power department. So obviously it works for them. Should be able to work for me. It's definitely going to take it. It's going to take a lot of power to, to plant those and, and dig and really, and to throw it against the buckboard and, and still be able to pull through it. Yeah. I've, I've used kind of more of the, the, the mud tires more as just a tool to just help me get going. Uh, I've always, Patrick's always given me plenty of power and I've just always been uh, short on driver. So I kind of usually use that to <laughs> my advantage. So, uh, definitely. Just push uh, the handle down harder. We'll, yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. So I, the mud tires for me have kind of helped, uh, help me get going a little bit better off the start. Um, but that's kind of where I've been using them. That's that's actually in a little in its own way. That's a little counterintuitive to me too, because I just go like a biting tire versus meathead driving style. Like I just I just see bounce. I see bounce. Whereas like a tire that will slip, like you could just hammer it and all right, we'll go and we'll 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 modulate it on the crutch the clutch, but we'll get off the line. But uh, you're telling me you're telling me the opposite, kind of. Yeah, I think we're our trucks are lower horsepower, lower hitch and, and single tires. We're, we're, we're hit, we're abusing them pretty hard to the point where, you know, I don't, we don't see the bounce like the three O trucks do so much and yeah. you know, the extra power that they have and two inches more a hitch. I think that's, you know, they're that's doing fair. Yeah, that's fair. But being single rear, you can, you can slip where those guys can't, they're going to grab and they're going to bite. Yeah, I think uh, I've talked to some other guys, too, around, you know, as far as like Ray J. Clare from Wisconsin. And, you know, I I think we've hit our power point where I don't think adding much power seems to it's not helping anymore. But, you know, everybody always wants more. But I think we've kind of reached that point on single tires where we're, you know, more is not going to necessarily be any better. Is there a particular track that you think you could go to where in lieu of, of the mud grapplers and the gear ratio you're running, you could go to say an STS, but speed them up and, and change your finals and go faster and make it work. Yeah. We've in our Northwest Missouri group, our tracks are pretty well consistent where I don't know if, if I would speed it up and change to more of a STS or all train tire, um, I don't know a lot of times if it would make a big difference. Um, now, if we go a little bit further south, you know, Southern Missouri for like Missouri state poles, they, you know, they have a little, a touch bit more sand where, you know, I think then that's, you know, where you go back to the, you know, muds up front and, uh, you know, STSs or generals in the back. Um, that seems yep. to, like I said, you know, about throwing the dirt in front of the buckboard, that seems to make a little bit more of a difference down there. General seem to be kind of more like, a, you know, you, you get really into the sand track kind of thing where the generals work. 
Yep, I agree. Um, I think, you know, guy ever go out to Colorado again, I think, you know, your generals or STs out there would be a, usually a pretty good tire. And then I think, too, if the track gets, you know, if it's really hard but not dry, I think uh, I think the generals would be a, a nod there. Awesome. No, I appreciate the candor on 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 that. That's 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 good good info. You know, so there's always somebody who's watching this show and who wants to break in and like try to make those same decisions that, that you made breaking in yourself. You know, what do I do? What do I where do I start? And and for where I'm at, the tracks I'm confronted with, what do I need to be rolling on? And uh, it's good info. Yeah, we've uh, we got a set of wheels for the muds and a set of wheels for STSs and and a set of wheels for generals and you know we've kind of been settling in these muds here the last couple of years and and uh, and seems to run pretty good but you know we're definitely not afraid to switch anything up if it uh, seems like it might be a little bit better. Where did uh... Where did you guys finish up in the points this year for uh, Missouri? Uh, I ended up getting second, but I had a, uh, uh, oh, my serpentine belt tensioner broke, and uh, it ended up frying. Um, I ended up ruining two uh, CP3 injection pumps out of the whole deal. So I was, uh, I missed our, like Fourth of July weekend pole where we normally have uh, three hooks that weekend, so I didn't uh, I didn't get good hooks that weekend, and uh, actually completely missed one of them because it wouldn't even run anymore. The whole system was completely full of fine metal, and had put two new injection pumps on it, and have all the lines cleaned, and the injectors uh, shipped off back to Exergy, and. Um, ultrasonically cleaned and, and sent back. So there was a couple weeks there where I didn't do a whole lot. Yeah. And actually like the, uh, Burlington junction pole that, I mean, for, for a small pole that it's like what, 40, some 50, some years they've been having that pole. I mean, it's, it's an old pole, but, uh, I remember Gary Sabaka being the sled operator. He's like, that's one of the best tracks I've ever been on. Um, here last year maybe i think it was and they do an excellent job at that as far as getting everything ready um for for you know a smaller pole it's not an association you know a big time association it's it's uh they got a pretty good track there and that's what makes it kind of fun to have a good track locally like that yeah burlington junction that like i said i'd say besides bedford that's got to be another one that's a it's a, it's a great track. I mean, it likes it. It takes it. It takes power and it's nice and wide and it's, it's pretty well can, you know, consistent from beginning of the night to the end of the night. And it's good for trucks and tractors. And it's a, uh, yeah, like I said, that's a, that's another good one. Well, not only just through the night, but it's consistent, like the entire track. It's not, it's not, there's a hole at the end of the track. You got to go right. It's, it, they do a nice job of keeping the track consistent from start to finish and building holes and everything because that's half the battle of, you know, what line work for somebody else. They took everything out of it. So um, kudos to them down there for that because they do an excellent job there. But, um, yeah. Yep, I think in Brent, I think Brent's last couple of years has even announced that one too. And 
why he uh i know he doesn't like maybe not like to but uh he does really really good job of announcing that thing so he does and and uh i can't wait for to give his son the microphone again because that was that was quite comical <laughs> yeah he might just be a chip off the old block yeah i don't i don't remember how how old his son is charles but his they got his son on the microphone and of course, they had four ones. Brent's running four ones with uh, faster horses and uh, the outlaws, and and his son gets up there, and and they got to ask, well, how do you think Dad's going to do? He's like, not very good. And it's like, why is that? He's he needs more more parts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leave it to your leave it to your son to keep you honest, and and mine does keep me honest. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, I can't I can't remember how old he is now, but I know I've been getting uh, quite a few Snapchats where uh, Brent's been saying that he's finally getting some uh, labor work out of his kids and it out there. I know Trent's been out there driving great tractor and grain cart, getting some Snapchats from that. So that's pretty cool. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty neat. Yeah, I've, my, my son has he's learned to run a class eight sled. And uh, so now, like, he knows everything. He, he's smarter than his old man. <laughs> yeah. They seem, to, they seem to think they get that uh, knowledge pretty fast, like they're about invincible. You know what? He, but he, he's earned it. He, he came by it th the right way. He, he showed uh, um, attentiveness and a willingness to learn and, and paid attention to his teachers and yeah, he does. He's shown good instincts in the cab and, and in terms of operating it and when to pull a kill switch on somebody and, and how to operate it. So um, it's the one thing that in the sport that I haven't done. So I, I've driven. He hasn't. I've announced. He hasn't. I've flagged. He hasn't. He's run a sled. I have not. So he's got me there. Um, he, he's earned his way and He's he's gonna he'll he'll make a he'll make a fine sled operator, and he's got a he's got a future in the sport. He'll be all right. Yeah, that's Dad and I have joked about that. If we ever quit pulling, I think that just so I can keep going. Yeah. The the the, the thing I'm most af afraid of is that he's gonna con me into buying him one of those, and I don't know what time is it. Have they drawn the the one point? whatever it is, $2 billion yet on the Powerball. Maybe I'll buy like six, but um, that'll be that'll be for another day, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Brandon Bungar probably sell you one if you wanted one. Oh, if I if I win that much money, I can afford brand new. I don't have to buy one of his. <laughs> <laughs> so besides ship, where else do you think you're going to do for indoor polls this, uh, this winter? Uh... And then Kansas City, we'll definitely go to Cowtown again. It's not—it's close enough for us to not go. So, yeah, well, that should—it's really the only two indoor poles that they really even allow to even in. So we always try and stick ourselves in the class just to make sure we add another. They allow us. to. Um, well, we look forward to having you at both. I don't know if I'll make it to ship yet, but Charles will be there and I'll see you at Kansas City. But um, since Ryan's not here to ask the question of the night, 
Um, hypothetically, if you could steal the keys to any vehicle, past or present, uh, what would you pull? Where would you pull and why? Was that you was cutting out? Hypothetically, if you could steal the keys to any vehicle, past or present, uh, what would you pull? Where would you pull it and why? Ooh, uh, probably like to take the keys to Shane Kellogg's Bedford's track. You cut out for just a minute. Say that again. I probably uh, I take the the keys to Shane Kellogg's Superstock truck and put it on Bedford, Iowa. I think you're probably the first person that's ever said Bedford, Iowa. So <laughs> yeah, I'll agree. Yeah, I I would. I mean, just from watching their hooks and and stuff like that, and just seeing what that dirt and stuff is like, uh, I. I think it'd be crazy to see those guys out there on that track. I don't know if they would like it or not, uh, but I would love to see them out there. I think they would, uh, they'd actually be able to use some of that horsepower that they got. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. That's one of those tracks that like, you don't really think, you know, uh, like you said, they've done a great job with it, but it's one of those tracks you don't think they've done, you know, like we're in the middle of nowhere type of thing and it's not a very reputable track. But it's gonna be, and it's getting to be there. And uh, seeing them, some of them guys over there that think, you know, looking for power tracks, I think that's one that's gonna sneak up on them, and they're gonna find out. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, I I know Brent and the, them guys are, you know, trying to push it and trying to get it a little bit bigger, and and I and they will over time, um, you know. But I, it, it'll be a good track. I think the other one that's probably pretty good one's in Springfield, Nebraska. That. Clay's pretty good there too. I know um, uh, they're, I think they was trying to get the uh, champions tour class there for PPL for a couple times, but um, that's another good one. The track's pretty good there too. Yeah. Really good. Well, Ross, I, I appreciate you taking time out of your night tonight and uh, joining us. Yeah, no problem. It's been uh, it's been a good one. Like I said, I've been watching quite a few of your guys' uh, videos and stuff on here. So when I was asked to be on one, I was like, yeah, sure, why not? That'd be a be an honor. We'll be back again. All yeah. right, well, I will. Uh, I'll look forward to the uh, to the message. <laughs> give Give Ryan hell because well, you know we've all come off from a long weekend and and yeah. both under the weather and Charles is just exhausted so. Be sure to give him hell for inviting inviting you and not getting you on and not having him on. So yeah, I've been away for 17 hours coming back from the East Coast from a different event from what you, Cody, and Ryan were at. So yeah, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he hasn't even got my Snapchats from uh, my ride home and like a Snapchat from every state. So I figure when he opens them up, then I'll have to give him some hell. Yeah. His uh, his wife was telling me earlier he slept all day long that he didn't make it to work and he's not been doing not been feeling too good i said that makes two of us so yeah, yeah. weak yeah. sauce right i'm sure he'll come back to the land of the living here at some point so <laughs> yeah but next time we'll have to get pops on here with you and uh have him on as well yeah yeah we will definitely do that so 
Well, thank you, Russ, for coming on. We'll uh, look forward to seeing you on the indoor polls here this this winter. You bet. Sounds good. We'll talk to you guys later. Thank All you. Right. Thanks, Russ. Yep. See you. See you. Well, we're the skeleton crew tonight, Charles. We're the skeleton crew, and I apologize. Like I was terrible about keeping up with comments and anything else. I I did what I knew I was gonna do, nerding out with both these guys, Brent and Russ, and uh, yeah. And I'm up. Like I said, I've been up since two a.m. I'm a little loopy. Yep. Yep. It's been it's been one incredible weekend in my world when it comes to motorsports and and i think it has been for you guys for you and and uh, ryan too so yeah it's it's been a lot of fun i mean of course everybody that was down there kind of you know bummer that you know it rained out but it happens i mean it doesn't you can't do anything about it you can't change anything about it and it happens and you know the one thing i gotta say is they Although even as, you know, flying down there, how many hours and stuff and, and being down there, I want to take pictures. And I want to take videos, like all of that. But like, a, like we've talked, you get to the 10th puller or fifth puller or whatever, they drag all that mud and track and stuff on the track. There's everybody behind them is in, in risk of over revving and breaking something that they don't want. And it it's the right call to make. And them guys put on a great show down there and it's always a good event. So can't say nothing bad about it. No, I back their decision 100%. And for the reasons you enumerated, and even beyond that, like I, I've never been there. I don't know. It, it may have been a, a situation where even the, the pits deteriorated and you start trashing the grounds. And a lot that's what a lot of fans don't really realize. That, well, the track was fine. We could have gone pulling. Yeah, you maybe could have. But you would have ruined the facility that was responsible for providing that event. And uh, th- that's that's behind the scenes. I understand the concept that, that you're the ticket-buying public that needs to be catered to. But if you don't also cater to the competitors who are bringing you the show and, and, and being the participants in what is happening – if they get a bad taste in their mouth, they don't come back and they don't provide the show that you want to see. So I'm not disagreeing with your notion that uh, it is all about you, quote unquote, but it also is about the competitors and taking care of them and making sure that they are they are satisfied and things are made convenient for them to be able to have their their competition and participate. So it, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a fine line that, that, that I don't think people really realize unless you're on the promoter side to know that that's, that's a thing. And it's not me or it's, and it's certainly not Cody or Jason or anybody tied to this or anybody tied to the, to the Polish championship saying it. Or, or anybody else who's been a promoter behind a, an event that draws people in from thousands of miles away, it's it's a tough call. How do you make that right choice? It's tough. And um, nobody wants to cancel a poll. No, no one wants to. 
I had to I had to be a party to canceling my hometown poll for the second day this past August. I didn't want to have that conversation with the fair board president. I didn't want to say no. I wanted the show to go on. I wanted to get up in the in in the tower and, and do a, do a program and 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 send stuff on the track. But we had to look at what the reality was, especially in light of what we did the night before. I you know I I shared the photo a few weeks ago of Charlie Capozo, super farm puller on a bulldozer fixing our track on Saturday night. We already fixed it once. And Charlie didn't get paid for that. He, that was his own volition to make that happen. There was no extra expense to extend the program Saturday night and make it happen. And we got it in, and we were thankful for that. But come Sunday, even with a track with drainage and an arena with drainage, it wasn't going to happen. We weren't going to save it twice. And so that sucks. And... It, it's amplified even more when you go to a place like Diesels and Dark Corners where the majority of your competitors are driving 500-plus miles to be there. I think they made the right call. On on a different note, holy cow, Brady Ingram, 38.2 miles an hour. Like 38? 38.2, like hauling the mail. So, yeah, uh, that was pretty cool. And uh, Ben Hazley put it out there, and everybody's like, it's going to be pretty hard to beat, and here comes Brady. And I think Van had the previous record at like 36 point something, and he had told us they were walking by, riding and asked him how fast he'd been, and, and I think 37 was how fast that he'd ever thought he'd gone. And uh, Brady came out there and stuck it at 38.2. And they wrote it on the wall in the announcer stand, even because they're like, "Yeah, that's that's faster than anybody has ever gone down the track." <laughs> so, uh, kudos to them and their uh, their setup because that was that was pretty fun to watch. So, well, the last couple of days have certainly been record breaker time. If you're in the diesel world, it's been record breaker the last couple of days. Um, we've seen some astounding stuff um i'm going to share a couple a couple things with you guys outside the pulling world but it's definitely it's relevant to the stuff that that we're all into and it starts with this morning um there was an event at maryland international dragway uh world cup final it's import versus domestic Killer preparation, all the glue you could ever imagine. And I'm not attributing what happened this morning strictly to that because the team behind it has certainly earned their way to it. But um, there's a new fastest, quickest diesel-powered anything in the whole world. And it belongs to Matty Gray's and the Holly Rock Customs Dragster uh, this morning in a private test session. We can't call this an official record. It's It was a private test, but uh, this time slip came up. We, we don't care about the quarter numbers down here because she was not driving to that. Diesel World, we, we, we exist eighth mile because of sanctioning. Uh, 
3.963187.5. That's the quickest any diesel period has ever gone in the eighth mile. And the it's, a, woman. it's a twin turbo Dur Duramax dragster that did it. Um, it, it knowing Mike and his daughter, Maddie, and the whole family, great people, excited for them to have that success. They've worked for this for a couple of years. Mike has been reluctant to let that dragster loose, I think, out of self-preservation for his daughter. But um, Maddie's proven that she can drive it. And he let her have all the nitrous and all the torque converter lockup. And today was a great day. They learned some stuff today. And I couldn't be more proud to see um, what within the drag, the, the drag diesel world, maybe as an outsider team, have that honor. They deserve it. They really deserve it. So that was super cool. Yeah, I saw that. That was pretty wicked cool. So it was what? Fastest diesel, fastest woman. I don't know I if they, I don't know if they had the ET record or the the excuse me the speed record. I, I'm not sure on that one. ET record, hundred percent. Duramax record, female driver record. Which, when it comes to drag racing, his drag racing has always been without intention or artifice or whatever appendage you want to put on it, always been inclusive. Race, creed, color, gender, doesn't matter. Drag racing has always been the class, the, the, the form of racing where everybody has a place and everyone has been successful. So I'm, I'm not pushing the agenda there. I'm just stating a fact. There's, there's other forms of racing where they, they do deliberately push it where we're well, we're trying to do this. Drag racing has always had it, and we have a very, very, very talented young lady who is the fastest among that style of racing, and she's earned her way. No, it's not spectacular because she's female. It's spectacular because she did it. I think it's spectacular because it's not just a here's the keys and go drive it. It's they've worked at it for how many years now to get to this point too. You know, and she's the only one to ever drive that dragster. Her dad yeah. didn't do it. Her dad didn't baseline it. He's the tuner. But Mike's experience is a triple turbocharged Duramax crew cab truck that weighs eight thousand pounds. He he has no seat of the pants in that dragster. Right. It's always been Maddie, and uh, they've earned their way, and it's awesome. Yeah. The other thing we did this weekend that <laughs> was an accident. <laughs> I was waiting for this one. Yeah, we we got We can't let this go. We got to talk about this. I I wanted to isolate the video to explain how we got there, and I ran out of time tonight. I was at 
an event called Ultra Challenge out in uh, Del Mar, Delaware, uh, this weekend, and it's it's like UCC in terms of it's multi multidisciplinary, but it's a little bit different. Where the trucks have to be plated, they have to be entitled, they have to be insured, they have to go through a hundred mile street drive successfully. They've got a drag race, they've got a dirt drag, they've got a sled pull twice, and it's dyno. Well, Saturday night was a sled pull. Chris Patterson, the unrivaled diesel team, who he's been at UCC, he has a track record of success. He's the only wheel-driven truck on a dyno to uh, slap 3,000 horsepower twice. Uh, at this event a year ago, he he ran 3,000 horsepower to the tire, which no one had done before. And then uh, this past August, at Weekend on the Edge in Utah, 3,400. So it's it's the record breaker truck. Uh, for the sled pull at this event, they're allowed to spray 9,000 pounds. The weird thing is, and if you've been DOT tired, the weird thing is they're 20 inch drawbar, not 26, like uh, a sled pull truck where it cost them two is. So it led to real bad chassis chatter and it broke the rear end. So come Sunday, the last event is to do the dyno. And he's like, can I do it front wheel drive? Just leave the drive shaft out and we'll do it front wheel drive. Like he, he was, he was up in the points based on finish forum from the prior events throughout the weekend. If nothing else, like don't let me get a nothing. Let me at least take, take, you know, take a, take a start. So we get to, we get to the sled operator and, and we ask him and he says, well, it's basically a load cell. Uh, uh, you know, we get down to it. It's a load cell that's doing this. No one's ever done it. Drum spun reverse. I don't know. I don't know if we can do this, but I'm not opposed to trying. So Josh McCormack brings his, his side by side up there it because it's quick and easy. It's it, It's not going to be super high horsepower. We can, we can strap it down real quick and just, we're on a baseline in normal direction, spinning the drum the way you'd expect. Wait, I never even thought about that thing being spun backwards. Like that yes. makes this even like more wicked cool. Like I, I never even like I saw the pictures, but in the video, but I never thought about it being spun backwards. Yeah, we were spinning the drum backwards. <laughs> we put Josh's uh, side by side up there, strap it down, rip a number. All right. That's our baseline. We take it off, recalibrate the whole dyno, put the side-by-side back up the backwards now, spinning the drum the opposite way. Recalibrate, run a rip. It's within one half horsepower. Okay. It's, it's reading right. So we decide... Chris is going to go first because now we got calibrated reverse direction and we do this. Ordinarily you drive it through the rear tires. They're back there doing nothing. All the power is going to go through the front front tires. We strap it down 
to the to the dyno through through straps in the back. We chain it to this skid steer. The X straps are put on the axle. Uh, Josh McCormack gave his sled stops, which would go into the um, receivers on the front where the weight box would go, so we could have pull down into the into the uh, dyno frame on the front end. We put side to side straps from the frame itself into the side of the the dyno frame because the real big concern was that this thing was going through the front end it's got a locker in that front diff but it what what was the steering going to do was it going to whip out of his hands what the hell was going to happen we had no idea no one had ever done this before um it just it was just a stupid idea and let's send it and see so for the very first (laughs) chris was nervous about it for the very first rip he was in a full fire suit crash helmet put it in tune one the base this thing could ever do and let's see what happens That was about 1,500 horsepower. He got out of the truck, shut it off, walked around, looked at the tires, said, I didn't feel anything. Life is good. Let's uh, let's turn it up a little bit. <laughs> 2,200 horsepower through the front tires. And 3,000 pound feet of torque at this point i'm going how how did the front end not just explode in a million pieces right the front end never exploded in any pieces the engine did he was satisfied with the 2200 horsepower rip said moon tune time boys this is the same block that's had the the 3000 horsepower rip and the 3400 horsepower rip let's go Number six, uh, number six hole, near as we can tell, gave up. It uh, it probably ruined the piston, and it windowed the block. It was uh, three. It was two thousand four hundred forty nine horsepower, three thousand four hundred seventy pound feet of torque through the front end, and the torque cur- the torque and horsepower curves were still rising when it blew apart. So I have two questions with this. Number one. If it was rear power, do you think there would be smaller numbers because of, I mean, the dissipation from the transfer from their back? We'll start with that one. No, no, because it would have been straight through through the transfer case. In this case, it had to to actually go through the case in reverse direction. It probably would have been higher. I don't think – and. This would be a question for Chris because, and and I'd have I'd have to, I don't have the actual dyno graph to see where it blew apart on the tor the, the RPM curve. Um, I don't think it was going to be a three thousand horsepower hit, but I think it was going to probably go somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty eight hundred to four and and four thousand torque. 
in the front end held all of that. Um, right. Just if you would have woke me up yesterday morning and said I was going to see that happen, I said you're crazy. He he's either going to get hurt, something's going to break, it's going to torque steer, it's going to smash a half shaft, the transfer case could explode. I could have come up with a thousand reasons this wouldn't work, and I would have never expected the engine to be the failure point. Right. Um, just 22 years in racing, and you, and you you dive into some of the deepest, most obscure corners of, well, I've never seen that before. And this weekend, we had a top three moment in my motorsports career of, I've never seen that before. And uh, all the credit in the world to Chris and the unrivaled diesel team for what they pulled off. I don't think there's anybody else who would have been brave enough to try it, let alone been successful as they were. And in, in blowing it up, it needs to be pointed out for all truck challenge, which is an event where you go on a 100-mile street drive. You have to survive that. You have to drag race and go through eliminations. You have to dirt drag race and go through eliminations. You have to sled pull twice. And then Sunday, the last day is the dyno part. He blew it up on the dyno part. He won the dyno at 2,400. And Josh McCormack... All credit in the world to him for reliability with his truck, who he didn't do anything except change oil and trans fluid, won the event overall, was number two on the dyno at 1,400 and change, a 1,000 horsepower less through the rear axle the way you'd expect it. Hmm. It's just I can't wait to see what Chris is going to bring to UCC when we get there in June uh, uh, in 2023. It's going to be stupid. So this brings up part two of my question. Um, the big, big deal, you know, ball of fire type thing, the fire suppression working. We talk about safety a lot. When yes. do you think that's going to be a requirement on the pulling side of it's going to have to be in, you know, we talk about some of the trucks type of thing, like, you know, it's known to catch it on fire, you know, this or that, because it's got oil dripping on the bottom turbo, whatever. When do you think that plays an effect to it's going to be a requirement on the system? I would, I would be, and, and there's, I'm probably going to piss people off with this. If you're three six it's, class and above, if you're if you're three if you're three six and above, you should have it already. It should be there, and it, the, you can go back and replay the bomb video. Hell, I'll play it right now. What I think that the sound the sound you hear of it sounds like the turbocharger grinding the housing that that's or that that is not the turbo. When we were done, when when it was safe to approach it and we popped the hood, the atmospheric charger was still spinning. The sound you hear is the boil off of that system. Chris smacked that really, really quick. 
and you're hearing boil boil off from that system. It put the fire out very quick. Um, if if you're on a three six truck and above, I think it should be on there. I really think that uh, Chuck Knapp on his Unlimited has it. I think it should be something on the Unlimiteds. There's, there's I contend for it to be there on the Modifieds. I would yep. contend for it to be there on the Super Stocks and the Pro Stocks. Um, it's not that heavy of a bottle. We're talking like a 15-pound a unit, and you can have that spray on you and buy you some extra time beyond what the suit can afford you. It, you can oh. spend three thousand dollars, twenty-one fire suit, and it's still not going to buy you the necessary time if you get knocked out in the roll cage in the midst of a fire. I'd like to see that. The, I'd like to see, however, it's triggered, fire suppression be there. That's our that's our biggest biggest personal injury concern in this sport. And I'm I'm all in favor of all of it. Well, on the other side of that is, you know, you look at a lot of poles and they may not have the right equipment in the fire extinguishers that guys don't want. They may not have, you know, this is okay in this class, but not in that class for what's in the extinguisher. So having that system on there, and I know there's a few guys in the mods that have it. And there's a reason they have it. It's for that specific reason is they don't want what's in the fire extinguishers on the side of the track to go in into the engine bay at all. And yeah. that makes me really wonder if, you know, does stuff like this really, you know, it's 15 pounds and some plumbing and stuff like that. But if you can curtail of, you know, it's your choice, you know, I'll put it out myself type of thing and whatnot. Don't touch it. Maybe that's a 15 pound bottle of, I don't have 15 pounds of movable weight type of thing that makes a big difference for them. So that's my, my two cents on it because I think it's, you know, not only driver safety, but when you're talking, you want to complain about engine bay safety. That's, that's where I look at some of that. I've seen a, plenty of videos where you, they show a, a fire on a methanol tractor and they're, they're splashing buckets of water on it. And the, the American arrogance comment is, what a bunch of Barney Fife bullshit this is. Yeah. Well, methanol's water-soluble, dumbass. The best way to put that fire out is to throw water on it. Yeah. And you will not wreck everything you're throwing the water on. So it, yeah. there's a lot of education that needs to take place. I don't know. That's the bigger thing. How do we educate the public in the world where social media makes everybody instant expert. And that's not just a, that's not just a safety teaching problem. That's an everything problem that's beyond the scope of this program. But um, that's where I'm at with it. How do you teach people where everybody's, I know everything. Right. We don't have enough time to cover all that tonight, Charles. Yeah, we're yeah. I'm way past. I'm going really deep in the. But I think it's stupid I think it's no sleep dimension. But but I, I but I don't think the, the the points are invalid. No, and I think as we come into winter, that's something that like guys can think about is you know what can I make changes on, and that's something that they may may want to be thinking about. So. Yeah, we definitely went a little bit sidetracked after dark. 
That's okay. Like I said, nobody's watching anyhow, right? So yeah, just, we're down to thirty-one of you. Thank you for hanging right. out, all of you who did. Yeah. So not going to promise you you learned anything, but right. Maybe you did. So. Anyway, thank you, Cody, for uh, sacking up and getting in here with the, the sleep deprivation train. Right. Yep. So, well, take care, Charles. We'll see you on the flip side. Yes, sir. Next week, next week, this show will be better because it won't be me having to quarterback it because. Or me. Because, yeah. Anyway, good night. Thank you all so much for joining us. See you soon.